Greetings and welcome to the this book club first read of the year. We all know that what we read is extremely important to us to help us maintain our highest vibration in the world where there's so much going on. And so we share transformational stuff. That's what we do with the CIS Book Club, Paul. And um, for the members, if you have a suggestion for one of the next reads, please make sure you send in an email to read at sistersinspirit.net. So today's discussion is on I Am the Word, and it's a conscious guide, a guide to the consciousness of man's self in a transitioning time. It's a channel text that reminds us that the time for recognition that we are divine beings is right now. And it provides us with some straightforward wisdom and alignment tools so that we can realign and, and come into that realization. And as you've read in the initial chapter, in the discussion section of the book, the time that we are standing in is a time of great change, which is cosmic change. And to quote from the book, it's an interfacing with the consciousness of man and man's creations in a grand scale. So we get to look at what we have collectively created and what we've created in fear or in the need for control to see that it's all not good. And so we can have the opportunity to uh, have a rough dismantling of that, or we can do it gracefully and peacefully in alignment. And so I Am the Word is a guide through this change or transitioning time. And um, I saw it as a gift that when you, and as they said in the book, when you start the book here and you complete the book there, there's a different place, there's a different frequency, there's a different knowing on the other side, and that the book itself is a passage that leads us and leads us to a higher frequency. So uh, with that, I'd like to do a brief introduction of the author, who we're fortunate to have, Paul Selig, with us here tonight to provide some clear insight and answer questions about the book. So here's just a snippet from his bio, and Paul, hopefully you will tell us more as questions come up or as you wish to share more information with us. So Paul Selleck is a psychic medium and award-winning author. He's considered to be one of the foremost spiritual channels working today. In his breakthrough through works of channel literature, I Am the Word, the Book of Love and Creation, the Book of Knowing and Worth, the Book of Mastery, the Book of Truth, and the Book of Freedom, Paul Selig has recorded an extraordinary program for personal and planetary, planetary evolution as humankind awakens to its own divine nature. Described as a medium for the lady to step into and become the people his clients ask about, often taking on their personalities and physical characteristics as he hears them telepathically. Paul, welcome to the show. Thank you again for being here with us today. Thank you for having me. So um, what 
we normally do when we go through the readings is to discuss highlights in the book that had some impact on us. And um, we will do that with the callers. So I was just wondering if there's something that you would like to add. And I'm going to close this one. Well, my puppy is listening to your puppy, so we may have a chorus in about a second or a duet. <laughs> They're singing. They'll be singing. No, I don't have anything to add. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm a conscious channel. I hear the books themselves or the unedited transcripts of the channeling sessions. So I'm really not the writer of the books. I'm the guy that's speaking it. And it's the, the recordings that are then, you know, transcribed and become the books. And I'm the rule with the very first of the series. Um, and that was dictated exactly 10 years ago. It was in, I believe, March mm -hmm. 2009. March. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, and I thought it was really uh, instinct for me because my it, February 28th is the date of the first chapter of the book. And February 28th is the date of my son's birth. He also transitioned a year before February uh, in February 2008, so before you wrote the book, and but by February 2009 is when I was really feeling the loss. And when I started reading the book, I, I began reading it in February, the end of February, and I was actually in sync with the date of some of the channelings as I was reading. So I thought that was really powerful for me and meaningful that I was definitely supposed to be reading it while I was reading it. Mm -hmm. Um, so uh, I'm going to ask the question for those who, who want to chime in, what does I am the word mean to you? And as I was reading the book, I really had to reflect on what I am the word means and what standing in my power means. And so for me, I, I'm thinking it's a portal to the frequency of oneness that I can align to any time that I step outside of of myself to find balance. And it also helps me to rise to my higher self when I feel the need to, well, when I am aligned, I have the ability to rise even higher to the highest frequency possible when I stand in I am the word. Mm -hmm. um, so I know Zita's on the line. Zita, any thoughts on that? And then we also have another caller who is in blog talk and someone who you can raise your hand on either tool and I can open the line for you to make a comment. Okay. In my okay. own blog. Yes. Okay. So I had a, um, a couple of questions as far as um, now are you, you are a medium so, like, you are um, a medium, was it? I'm just trying to get a clear picture of how you, when you first, was it like a process in becoming a medium? Did you, or was it just poof, one day you started feeling and being in tune to the presence of, um, you know, a, a energy or vibrations? As the book say. Sure. Well, you know, they call me a medium for the living, so I'm not I'm the kind of medium that's contacting people's 
you know, departed loved ones. Once in a while I do that. But my primary work is as a channel. Now, what I seem to have is, is what they call clairaudience, which is clear hearing, clairsentience, which is clear feeling. And how it began for me was I studied a form of energy healing when I was a young man. And I was volunteering at a center that was providing services for people with life-challenging illnesses. And I found that when I had my hands on people, I began to hear things for them that was accurate was, you know, I was told the information that I was getting was accurate. And that was the beginning of the clairaudience. And I sat in a group that met in my apartment for about 18 years doing this very quietly. I had another career as a college teacher through all of this. And the guides began dictating books through me um, only in about 2008. There was a real shift in my ability. So it's been a process for me. The mediumistic work that I do with a living is a little odd in that I can sort of step into other people. So if you're estranged from your son and you give me your son's name, I can step into him. I may start to resemble him a bit and I can usually hear what's going on in terms of the dynamic. Um, so I consider myself a radio. And when I'm channeling mm. the radio station, when I'm playing as the guides and when I work as a medium for clients, I'm tuning into the clients or the people that they ask about. And then my guides pipe in and, you know, support the information that's needed. Well, thank you for that. So as just a, a person, I do believe in healing energy. I believe in, you know, energy and vibration of our clairvoyance and, you know, all the above. How do do we begin to know when uh, I was like in love understanding, how do we know when this, when, you know, when when it's right, when it's, you know, we, what we're feeling and what's going on? I'm not hearing the question clearly. Um, her question was, how do we know when the feeling is right? So when you're you're feeling the vibration and something is coming through, sure. how do you know that it's right? Well, I mean, the first thing to do is to is to realize how you feel before you start working with the energy and then you begin to become a barometer. The ability to feel energy is what changed my life because once I could feel it, I couldn't refute it. And that meant that there was more going on than my senses had shown me prior, um, that there was a whole other world that was operating in vibration that I hadn't been taught about when I was in high school. So learning to feel the energy and to feel the gradations of energy and what feels like what for me was helpful. If you, you know, if you just put your hand about, say, eight inches right above the center of your chest, you can probably feel the heart chakra. And you can usually feel the vibration coming from the heart center up against the palm of your hand. You've got a fine little shelf. But I learned that different things feel different. Your feel Simply, uh, you know, anger feels hard. Pain feels like broken glass coming out. Things that are older come out like wind. So that was my initial way of understanding this. The book brings through energy, and the guides bring true energy that's very specific. And the attunement to the word, which is very much a part of the book, is to align the reader to be able to hold that energy. And that energy usually comes in, in ways that are physically palpable. Um, I prefer to work with a little prayer protection before I channel and before I do any kind of invocation of energy. And I just do that 
because it's hygienic to do that. Yeah. Um, but I do trust that what comes through is of the light and of the highest good. Okay. So we've had a couple more people um, chime in. And just so to catch up those of you who just joined, we were, before Zeta's question, we were discussing um, I am the word and what I am the word means to you. And with, I was asking that you chime in and tell us, you know, when you read the work, what it meant to you, and in general, what I am the word means to you. So don't be shy. <laughs> well, this is Shay. My name is Shay. And um, what joining, I Shay. am the word, what I am the word means to me is, um, well, it it makes it brings me back to um, you know in the Bible um, you know it, it references that God is the Word and the, so I am the Word to me just says you know I'm an emanation of God that I am in fact God and mm-hmm. and therefore the Word can flow through me mm-hmm. um, and and that of course we're all God so that's that's what it feels like to me. Um, I actually was not able to read all of the book, but what I do know of the book, um, it feels like, you know, the the essences that um, are being presented. I mean, are, we're just all one, and that they they presented through another emanation of God, which is just God. I mean, it looks like there's a bunch of us, but there's really just one of us. Mm-hmm. Anybody else? So, you know, as we're talking about the guides, I I would like to just find out more about who the guides are. And I and then I have a second question, too, about the Christ energy. But um, I saw in one place that the guides were of the order of Melchizedek. And I don't know if it was in this book or if it was, it was in one of the other three that I read. Because I actually came to the other three before I came to I Am the Word. And I suggested I Am the Word for the book club just because it was the first of the trilogy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and well, thank you, um, so the guy, I, I, I was wondering really who they are. Because I also, um, I was reading a text, a quote from the book um, that said that they, Victoria asked a question about whether or not they were human in form. Um, and they said, no, some of, some of the guides have been in personality or um, form, but I guess not human form. I wasn't really clear about that. And mm-hmm. so, yes, the question is on who are the guides? Well, you know, they only came out and announced a name, and it was in the fourth book, which was called uh, The Book of Mastery. They said, if you'd like to call us something, you can call us Melchizedek. Uh And um, that's the name that I heard for some time. Uh And the first name I heard was the priest and then the high priest, and in terms of the guys introducing themselves. And then, you know, this is sort of how it emerged. I'm not that fond of names, although they labels. Announce yeah. them. Yeah. Well, because the tendency to was attach story and narrative to that and yeah. the ego likes those things. 
But, you know, my name is Paul. I answer to Paul. If the guys want to be called Melchizedek, I, I have no problem with that. Mm-hmm. I call them the guides, and they, they're only called the guides because my ex, when my ex found out I could do this, used to ask the guides this, ask the guides that. So, <laughs> so they became the guides. They became the guides, and they've never complained about it. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't think they care. I mean, they call themselves teachers. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, they do say that some of them have been informed and some of them have not. And I find them a little cagey around some of those answers, but really only because I suspect I'm somewhat resistant to the information. And also, you know, it's, it's a big can of worms to go there. What they, my favorite definition that they've given us is that, that we are who they you know, they are who we become when we that. know who we are. I was wondering that because we are them and they're mm-hmm. us. And if all is self and mm-hmm. all is one, then who else could they be besides mm-hmm. us? Right. That's what. Yeah. Okay. That's what that um, was my, that led into my, um, pardon me, darling, uh, but that kind of led into my next thought. Um, that they were our subconscious to a certain extent. That they are what we need, like what we are, what we need to 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 just carry on and to, be, and to become, you know, that higher conscious person, persons that we are trying to uh, become. They are like assisting us and trying to bring out the best. Um, I'm sure you believe in, in incarnation and reincarnation, Paul. Is that I would. Uh, from that, just from the reading. So I had an experience uh, a couple of weeks ago with uh, I work in the school system and I had a, a situation with a kid and he got really aggressive with me and you know and I really didn't know the kid like I like, he's not a kid that I work directly with and so when when all was said he came back to apologize to me. I asked him, did I know him? I said, you know, I, I haven't had any interactions with you, so I'm not sure why you were so upset with me. And he said, you know, no, man, I, you know, I don't know you. He said, uh, you know, and I wouldn't have, you know, did any things I said that I was going to do. It. So I looked him right in his eye, and at that point, I felt like it was a, re- a, a karma experience, like I was experiencing something with this being that maybe I did to him in, in a past life, and that was my karma coming back. I just that's what I felt at that moment. So I apologize. And my being said to me that I needed to apologize to him. So I said to him, I said, well, you know, I just want to apologize to you if I've ever done anything to you. And he said, No ma'am, you haven't but I still felt like my apology was legit. Help me with that. <laughs> she said help her with that. Well how about the book? How about let me talk about the book first? <laughs> No, I'm saying, is, is, would that, would experience like that be, is that how the God, so that that's what I want to relate it to, the book, is that how the God would work? Because if you read the book, you get this connection with the book, like the gods are working in your life to better you and to help you. She's trying to make the connection between how the guides assist you and mm-hmm. that incident. It was that in incidents where the guys were assisting. Did I did I say that correctly? Yes. I, I had a, I had a difficult time hearing the whole story. What I was hearing was she met somebody and she seemed to recognize them and it was a harmful relationship. 
Mm -hmm. I actually have that experience too, and I tend to think that it is when it happens. I just don't know what the karma is going to be because it generally plays itself out, and often not in the ways that I wished it would in my life. But I do think that we're given an encounter every hour, every every encounter we have, high and low, and in between, is an opportunity to learn. And that's the challenging part because you know we're often being taught things we prefer not to have to. That seems to be how it plays out. So I can't speak to your personal um, interaction with this. Um, I can only just tell you, you know, what I believe. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. Okay. Um, so, any other comments on on the book and something in the book that impacted you, or that you'd like to discuss with Paul? Okay. So I have another question um, that I wrote down here. And, and this goes kind of um, back to frequency. Um, as, as a student of A Course in Miracles, I don't have a problem with uh, Christ, using the terms Christ and Christ energy. But I know a lot of people who are into um a consciousness, we'll say consciousness, are, and so to that end, um, do you feel that there's a drawback in using the term Christ energy, and then yeah. why was it brought in those, in that language to us? That's really the question. Why was those words used instead of some other reference to well, they use the term in the, in the subsequent books. They use a lot of different terms. They use the Christ itself and the eternal self and the true self and the monad all to mean the same thing, which is the aspect of the creator that can be realized in material form. And they say that's the truth of who we are and who everyone is. Mm -hmm. I suspect what they're doing is reclaiming the term and bringing it to right usage. Um, in their teeth, I mean, they speak to Jesus as one who realized the Christ as, you know, an embodiment of it. But they also say that the teaching there was for us to also realize it. And now I'm not a student of the Course, so I can't speak to that. But I do know, um, you know, they've been very distinct in how they use the words. And they've often said to their students who think that this might be about they've been known to say you don't become the Christ the Christ becomes you so in a lot of ways it is a teaching of the manifestation you know and that really as the books progress you see that that's where they're taking us so I was not raised I was raised sort of an atheist so you know I wasn't raised with much stuff my only acquaintance with the term Christ came from you know, reading some Emmett Fox when I was in my 20s and Unity, which I, you know, I used to get the Daily Word, but that was about it. Um, and that was, you know, a short passage of my life. But I expect that the guides are working in a lineage and that they're speaking with a vocabulary to reach. Right, I it. yeah. But there may be other mediums bringing through other material without that language mm -hmm. that are basically espousing similar concepts. And I don't know if it really matters. Yeah. Truth 
truth in whatever way it shows exactly. up. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, you know, ask the question because I know that a lot of people in the conscious world have some blockages there. Yeah. And then you, when you open the book, it, it is explained what the Christ consciousness is. And so mm-hmm. it's very clear it's the divine within each of us and mm-hmm. that connection to the, to the divine. Um, so again, the uh, floor is open for questions and comments on the book. If you're in blog talk, you can just press start one. That'll raise your hand. And then I see that you have a question. Now, also, just go ahead and open the line. If you are on Zoom, then um, the mic's open. We, we, we have everybody unmuted so that you can chime in when you're ready. We were asking that those who um, have read the book, to tell us something in the book that impacted them. And if you have any questions about the reading, to raise those questions, since we are fortunate enough to have the author with us here. I, I have a question. When you mentioned about your healing, uh, your practice and your uh, healing energy, um, what were you using? Were you using like physical materials? Could you elaborate on that a little bit? Can you repeat the question, please? What healing energy you were using? Yes. I was attuned um, to to an energy called Mariel, which was the energy of the divine feminine. Mariel was an offshoot of Reiki. It was the first actually offshoot. It was brought through by a woman named Ethel Lombardi, who was one of the first females in the United States. She was a, a student of a woman named Madame Takata. And when I met Ethel, which was probably in the early 90s, um, she had already moved away from, from Reiki and was teaching this other modality. Um, it's not taught anymore. It, it passed with her. She's no longer here. But it was a beautiful energy. There were real similarities to Reiki. But the technique itself was different, and the energy was aligned again to what she called the Mary energy. You know, the, the divine mother actually. Okay. Thank you for that. Um, Sai, did you have something that you want to say? And then I also noticed that um, phone number, area code 201-864-2088. Um, I don't know who that is. Was trying to speak on Zoom. Uh, if you're having difficulty getting through, and something in the chat, please. Yeah, this is um, the phone number 2088. This is Shay. Oh, that's Shay. And, um, okay. Yeah. Uh, um, I was just wondering if Paul would um, uh, say some more about um, the Christ consciousness becoming us as opposed to us becoming the Christ consciousness. Yeah, you know, I mean, the guys were pretty explicit about it. It was during a, a workshop. I lead workshops all over the country and outside of the country, and they're channeled, so the guys are teaching. And early on, they made a point of saying, you know, you don't become the Christ, the Christ becomes you. And I think what they were saying here was that the New Agers, in some cases, run around saying, well, we're all God. And, but the idea of that can be the deification of the small self or the ego. 
You know, the ego likes to think it's God. One of the first things that I heard in Channel, and I'm almost entirely sure that I persuaded someone, was I wrote it on a slip of paper and I kept it in a book for years. And I heard it when I was having a difficult time in my life. And I heard freedom will come when the throne relinquishes its king. Mm. I didn't know what the hell that meant. And now I understand it, which is basically who sits in the throne. What aspect of consciousness is running the show? The guides say the small self, which is the personality self, you know, rules the small kingdom. And the divine self, the, the Christ itself, um, aligns in a, in, a, in a higher way. And the teaching that they're bringing through is the realization of the divine self and the alignment to what they call the kingdom. And they say that the kingdom is the awareness of the divine in all manifestations. Um, so, you know, the teaching finally, and this has progressed over now, I'm, they're on the eighth book, they're dictating, they just started the eighth one, they really are speaking of the divine in matter, and how the divine is inherent in form, and the realization of the divine as form and in form actually is alchemical to manifestation. And they're actually saying we really do lift in vibration to this level of consciousness. They call it an octave um, that we are then sort of playing in or in resonance with. And at that level of resonance, because there is vibrational accord, we're calling to us that which exists in that level of alignment. And that is the kingdom. So the divine self expresses in the kingdom the small self knows itself through the mandates of history, all of the information we're told that is who we are. So social things, you know, uh, the time that we're born into in the world, all of these things, how our parents treat us, what our teachers say, all of these things sort of create this idea of self that the guides say is perfectly valid, but it's not who we truly are. Mm. Okay, thank you so much. You're welcome. Okay, there's a uh, 216 area code. Did you want to chime in? No. Okay, well, thank you for joining. I didn't read the book. I'm just on. <laughs> well, thank you for joining. <laughs> I'm sure that you will glean something very helpful on the call. All right. So again, we um, are asking if there was a passage or a section of the book that you felt was very impactful. Um, and the, you know, for me, I think that all of those intentions were highly impactful because they're worded so perfectly. So they start off with an intent, and then, as it says in the um, book, it's the second step of acclamation. And then the third is reception. And then you see all of that in each one of the intentions so that um, it's so clear and it ensures that there's no negativity in the receipt of um, what you're asking for via the intention. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, the claims, the guys say what is true is always true, and they don't call these things affirmations. They call them claims of Claims of... Well, the true self knows who he is and um, who she is, 
and she seeks expression as who you are, and the attunements are all in support. Okay, attunements are all in support. And um, one of the area in the book that I thought was impactful for me was on page 46 and 47, where it's talking about um, memory, and it talks to your incident about riding the bicycle and falling off the bike and the memories that came subsequently. And it says, when a memory is retrieved in consciousness, it floats to the surface as if from a pond, and then it can be seen. And you can see what that memory has brought forth in terms of changes in behavior, in terms of changes in how you perceive yourself. But if you understand that you can actually change the memory into the frequency of the word, and then the manifestations of that time will be remedied at that time. You are changing your consciousness in the present moment again. So, you know, to me that spoke to you can literally change the impact of the, the of the past by the word, through the word. That's what they say, yes, because the, the divine self exists beyond time. It can express itself in time as we understand time. But the true self operates beyond linear time as we've been instructed to know it. So, you know, everything is only happening in this present moment. Everything else is really just an idea of what was or what could be. So it's in what the guides call the eternal now that the changes happen. Okay. So this is Jay again. So are they saying that... Um are they are they saying that you can just change the impact of so to speak the past, or are they saying that you can actually change the past? I don't hear that. I haven't heard that you're actually changing the past, but I think your realization of the divine actually does transform substance. And I mean, this is stuff they're getting into in subsequent books, and I'm still trying to keep up with it. But they say that everything exists in multiple octaves. They say any note on a piano can be played in any octave off the keyboard into infinity. And just because it's not on the keyboard doesn't mean that it exists. It doesn't exist. And just because your ears don't hear it doesn't mean that it's not there. So the idea that everything we see can be renowned in a higher way through realization of the inherent divinity within it, that's actually alchemy. And they say the object is changed, the issue is changed, everything is lifted to a new way. And so I don't know what we're doing to the past, actually, when we do this. The, the teaching that was spoken about, about the bicycle, was which is about my childhood, I mean, that was dictated about, you know, 10 years ago. And I don't read these books that much once they're, they come through me. Um, but they keep teaching, so I understand the concepts. Let me ask them. I do hear the past is transformed through realization of it. And they're saying the key is realization of it. Not what you want to be, but what exists in the higher octave. In the higher octave realization. Realization is the knowing of what is true, of what is always true of impression, and your impression of an event, the manifestation of it, the manifestation of it, the degree of fear you hold about it, the degree of fear you hold about it, or from the small self, are from the small self, not from the divine self, not from the divine self, whatever here, 
who does not operate in fear and knows herself as sovereign and knows herself as sovereign, period. And they're saying, period. So that's how they come through when they come through. Mm, wow, that was beautiful. Yeah. So, so, so I'm, I'm hearing, well, I'm just going to pull out a few different things I just heard, that um, the alchemy, so it's the, the, the all chemistry of the divine, and what I heard is, is I, I can relate to terminology that's, uh, you know, common now, which is, you know, multiple realities or, or multiple timelines. That, yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. So, Yeah. <laughs> So you jump to another timeline and you're no longer on that previous frequency or... They don't speak to me about timelines. Um, you know, my friend Natalie Sudman has a wonderful book called um, The Application of Impossible Things okay. about her near-death experience in Iraq when she was, you know, blown up by a roadside bomb. And her out-of-body experience or near-death experience was all about timelines. And it's fascinating stuff. The guys that I work with are teaching about time and the nature of time now, but they haven't gotten into, I mean, they have said, you know, we're, we're existing in multiple identities simultaneously. I have heard that from them. I don't know where to go with that yet, but that was only in a recent dictation. So I'm assuming they'll continue to unpack this stuff as they're ready. Mm-hmm. That's all I can say on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, you know, I brought up. The- that that terminology because um, you know as they indicated that with the realization of the past from I'm going to say upon high right from a from a higher frequency um, and almost almost well they even said not what we want it to be right but but from the perspective of truth almost mm-hmm. like us looking down upon an ant right looking down upon it as opposed to from a side view or an up view, um, that that in fact changes it because it, it changes our understanding, our perception of it, um, yeah. which felt to me almost like another timeline or reality. <laughs> Although it may not be. That's just what it felt like to me. I'm hearing yes and no I mean, opportunity to realize something is to re-know it, is to re-know it. So, behold, I make all things new. Is it teaching, or is it teaching you have heard it? You're saying that is a teaching of realization. When something is re-known, it's reconceived, it is reconceived, or reclaimed in the higher order, and it's announcement, and it's announcement of expression, of expression, as of God, as of God calls to it those things, calls to it those things or like a sort of that are of like vibrational accords over past has changed. So if the past has changed, the past is known, it is because the past is renowned and the idea of the past and the idea of the past is all you can renow is all you can renow because the past is an idea, because the past is an idea that you maintain that you maintain through the small self identity through the small self's identity period. And it's the same period. Ah, okay. So, so if we release the past, 
or 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 or, or um, detach from it. Mm -hmm. um, there's uh, there's not a an active knowing. It's a release of it, which which yes, in effect changes the impact of it. I get yes. I get yes. Mm -hmm. They're saying getting is not the key. Renewing is the key. Renewing is the key. So whatever that is. Yeah. Well, powerful. <laughs> thank you. Very powerful. You're yeah. Welcome. Yeah. Thank you. Does um, anyone on Blog Talk have a comment? And Sky, if you could, um, I, I set the Blog Talk for 45 minutes, and if you could extend it, that would be nice. But um, if not. Folks on Blog Talk, you've got five minutes left. The recording will stop, but we'll still be on the air. In <clears throat> oh, let me open her mic. That might help. Thanks for being with us. Um, yes. I don't have access. I'm having some serious difficulties right now with um, with technology. <laughs> Um, but I did want to say thank you for being with us this evening. And when you asked earlier what some of the profound um, passages or readings in the book, the bad, from the immediate start, um, what stuck out and what resonated with me was about Christ's um, energy and the frequency. Um, I go back and forth with this um, in terms of Christ being a person um, that type of um, relationship with many people with the word Christ, person Christ. And so that really answered a lot of questions for me. So um, that was very pro profound. Uh, the well, other... Let me just repeat what you're saying because it's it's not coming through very clear. So what I, what I understood was that um, you... you wanted to bring up um, the point of Christ as an energy versus Christ as a person? Yes. You were asking what were some of the passages in the book or some of the information in the book that actually really resonated with us. So that was the first thing immediately that just really struck me, and it answered a lot of questions that I had dealing with, you know, how people relate to and how people interpret uh, Christ. So that really answered a lot of questions for me and just made a lot of things a little bit clearer. Um, what also resonates, a, a question that I have for Paul is when um, they refer to as taking you out further, what are they talking about? And forgive me if you've said this before, uh, what are they referring to when they say taking you out a little further? And then, um, there's the another reference that they make, but if you could explain that. Yeah. Okay. He's gonna explain. I, I think, if I understand the reference, take them out a little further, that's about receding my consciousness. So when I'm channeling, one of the things that I use as a little meditation for myself is I imagine that I'm climbing into the backseat of a car and turning the wheel over to the guides. Consciousness is receded. Now, what happens when I'm anxious about the transmission or I hear something that I am confused by or disagree with, it's as if I lean into the front seat and I say, hey, wait a minute, you know, and I start to get in the way. And very often, in later books, they got very adept 
at saying Paul has a question. Mm -hmm. In the or in the first book, we were just figuring out how to do this thing. Yeah. So okay. you know, Paul is they're getting me back out of the way so I don't get in the way of what they're trying to do. Yeah, and so you know, it's so funny because as I read um, a, a couple of the books, and when that came up, it's like the same places where I would have had to get myself out of the way. It's like I would have asked that question too, and I would have had that concern. Yeah. All right. Another um, section um, that spoke to me early on was about forgiveness um, and, um, you know, how they talk about forgiveness and that uh, we have to forgive. Um, how can we consider ourselves um, to have consciousness and to be worth being forgiven when we don't or we condemn our fellows to being um, unforgiven? So that spoke to me as well. Do you have a question? No. Okay. Anybody else have questions or comments? No. Uh, this is Shay again. I have another question. I know. Um, you know. I know this discussion is about the one book, but as the but I, but I, I may, I'm just uh, curious about the progression of the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is called The Mastery. Um, can you just speak to the progression of the book? Sure. And, uh, I can. Yes. So I Am the Word is the first book, and I think in some ways it's the, uh, it holds the DNA for the books to follow. They actually sort of state their case about the realization of the divine in humanity in in these times that we're in. The second book, which is the Book of Love and Creation, which I've actually never read after I did the audio recording of it. I think that was my favorite. Well, a lot of people love it, you know. It's 500 (laughs) pages, and it was all dictation. I was typing those (laughs) But in some ways, that's a, a, a textbook in how to begin to work with this. The Book of Knowing and Worth, which was one of my favorites, really addresses our own desire to refute our own divinity mm-hmm. and our lack of worth. Um, and that paves the way to the whole Mastery series, which is really about embodiment. The Book of Mastery is, in some ways, the teaching of who we are. And uh, the book of truth, which follows it, is in some ways a teaching of what we are, what we are in manifestation. And the guides are now teaching expression, how we serve, and that's the beginning of the book of freedom. And the book of freedom is really much about lifting beyond the shared octave or level of agreement to what reality is that we've been somewhat confined by. They say it's as if you punch a hole in the fake ceiling above you to realize what exists beyond it. And, um, you know, there's great opportunity there. The books that they're different now, the next one out in August, and there's another that's underway, are really about realization of the self in the higher octave, or what they call the upper room. Mm-hmm. So the, the next, the, you know, that's the progression so far. Now they're teaching alchemy, and that's the mm-hmm. end book. 
running matter. Wow. That's what we're getting into now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I pre-ordered it, by the way. <laughs> wow, that's interesting. So they're, they're getting into alchemy. Mm-hmm. So in that, is there any, do they reference or, yeah, do they reference um, St. Germain at all or? No, I mean, they don't, they don't use a lot of names, you know, and I don't know how they're going to teach alchemy yet. I mean, what they're teaching is the realization of the divine in form. Everything is made of one substance. Hmm. And once is realized is what that true substance is, what we know of as reality becomes malleable to consciousness. As you lift in vibration and you become less dense, you can align to the lack of density that exists in the higher expression. And that allows for a re-knowing of form. This is as much as I got so far. It's the book they're dictating now. They began this book just over a week ago. I was channeling at the Ethelman Institute. In five days, they delivered 80 pages of text in front of the students. And I'm about to leave tomorrow to go to Costa Rica, and I'm expected for a week of of channeling, and I expect they'll do more there. So this book may be done fast. But, you know, I Am the Word took two, two and a half weeks to deliver you know, over sessions, you know, in consecutive days. So these things come quickly when they come. Wow. Wow. Very, very interesting. Yeah. And so, you know, I am interested in channeling. I have this sense that there's some information that should come to me around what we call mental health and well-being and balance that I'm to share with the world and, it predominantly comes out of my son's death. He died by suicide, and that's why I started getting into, well, what is true mental health? And what we call mental health is um, so far from what mental health is. And basic mental health is never taught. No. So I was just wondering if the guides could um, give me some info about what what that might be, or if I'm on the wrong track. <laughs> Well, what's the question? What mental health truly is? is that no, I, I feel that some information is to come to me from ah, the guide. And, and I, I say the guides in, yeah, in the very broad aspect. You're saying that she needs to realize that she's using her history to serve others. And she will continue to. You're saying everything is opportunity to know yourself, to know yourself in a higher core, in a higher core, the loss of a child, the loss of a child, the loss of a life, the loss of a life, the loss of a career, the loss of a career, the loss of an identity, the loss of an identity, identity. all of these things become opportunity when they are seen as such, when they are seen as such, and you are in in a new way of of re-identifying who you are who you are to teach others who they are as well, to teach others who they are as well, period. That's what I hear from you. Yeah. Okay? Thank you. You're welcome. Okay. So, okay. questions, comments, or are we ready to close this out? Well, this is Shay again. I just want to thank... Um, you know, thanks everyone for putting this together and thank all for not only making yourself available but um and the guy. This is this has been a, this is awesome. I mean for myself I'm sitting here thinking, man, 
everything that's been expressed on this call is either things I've been focused on or things that I'm interested in getting focused on. So I'm just I'm just sitting here in amazement, actually. So thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to be a part of this. Thank you. Yeah. We do. I do live streams almost every Wednesday night. That information's on my my website, which is my name, paulsellick.com. The guides are teaching, you know, and teaching and teaching and teaching. Mm-hmm. So there are many opportunities, and there's lots of uh, videos online of the guides teaching as well. Tell us about what you do have going on, if you have events coming up. Yeah, anything else? Like you said, I think you said Costa Rica. What is it, Costa Rica? I'm in Costa Rica next week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm as of tomorrow for, for a retreat. But I do workshops all over the place. So um, workshops that are coming up. Gosh, I'll be in Denver. I'll be in Minneapolis. I'll be in Chicago. I'll be in um, Berkeley. Um, it's all up on the website, which just has my name. There's an events page. Um, and I live stream on Wednesdays. And, um, you know, if people are curious about being in a workshop, the guides are tuning everybody to work the energy through. And, and that's exciting because you can feel it and you can begin to mm-hmm. to work with more intentionally, which is always wonderful. Yeah. Okay. That's it for me. Thank you. Again, thank you for the work that you do and for joining us with Sisters in Spirit. And uh, we look forward to reading more of your work and working with the guys. Thanks, darling. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being here, everybody. All right. Have a good night. And you. Bye. Good night. Good night. Okay, let's go on. We just let Paul go. If you guys wanted to talk a few more minutes, we've got till nine. Oh, people dropped off the line. <laughs> okay. Good night. Well, I'm here. Okay, let me end the blog talk.